Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cairns Roads. For those of you who do not know me, I'm Mark Mitro. I'm the pastor here. And as John T. reminded us um, in the beginning of the service, that as a church, we are reading through the Bible. And for the last um, six months, we've been going uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But it's six months worth of reading, of grappling with God's words, with actually um, growing in our knowledge of Him. This is the things that you'd hear when you look at the, uh, my video inputs. So every day we're preparing a video. I'm very grateful to Peter Turnell and to Dave and um, to others who have contributed, Abby. And so we're looking at the particular chapter and just saying, where is the opportunity for us to grow in our knowledge of God and how can we live for him as disciples? So, um, as we got reminded, on I think it was on Thursday, we finished the first five uh, books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah. And I just thought that before we jump on into the stories of the New Testament, I just thought it would be good for us to stop for a moment and think a little bit about the life of Moses. And um, I've been reading uh, different things this week, preparing for the videos, but preparing also for other stuff. And um, I've really been, um, I came across a journal and it was three lines, and I send this as an email to, to Iron. Um, three lines in this journal saying, um, what about Moses and his experiences on top of the mountains? And this journal gives all these five different moments. And I thought it would be great for us to stop there because normally we just um, would not see it in that context. And I just thought it would be great to pause for a moment in those moments of um, Moses' life. Um, before we do that, and before I pray, I just want to, to make a few notes about what has been going on this weekend. I just want to say that God is at work in our midst, and His Holy Spirit is working yesterday and today. Um, yesterday, we got reminded of the tension between being weak and strong. Today, we've been reminded of that. Um, this week, I have been praying and um, asking the Lord to, to give us a new song of hope. And Iron led us into this new song with hope in it. And I thought, I cannot just carry on uh, preaching here without making those little uh, remarks. And then, again, uh, dwelling a little bit on what Hazel shared at the beginning of the service and what does feeding and watering look like and what, what is God asking us as he reminds us of the field of wheat ahead to be uh, harvested. And this idea of being ready and prepared but also being expectant for God to be at work. So, again, I am very grateful to, to God for what He's doing in our midst. 
So let's commit our hearts as we open his word. Father God, thank you for this ancient book. Thank you, Lord, for this ancient character. Thank you, Lord, for the truths that are for us today. Would you feed us? Would you nurture us? Would you give us life from your word? And would you help me, your servant, to deliver it with clarity, prompted by your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So we are familiar with the things that are very important or they're landmarks in Moses' life. And it's very appropriate for us to start with that moment where uh, Moses' life is preserved, that he's not killed with the other babies. It's also important to mark that moment in life in Moses' calling when he's being called by God to go and bring up the people of Israel out of the misery and the tyranny and the slavery of Egypt. It's important to, to start this sermon by uh, making those remarks about the beginnings were quite challenging. When God calls Moses, as we've been reading, is he's got this sense of unworthiness. He's got this sense of actually unbelief. He's got this sense of actually he's not eloquent enough. He's got this sense of weakness that he knows in his human heart that actually this is too big of a task for him to do. And therefore, the story of this person who God calls starts with that note of reluctancy. And yet, we've got five books of the Old Testament. We see of a man which, yes, it had, he had his ups and his downs, but we see a man that actually really loved God. Let's have a look at Exodus chapter 17. This is the moment where Moses is, um, we're going to look at verse 10 of Exodus 17. When God is with Moses and um, there is this element of Moses bringing his head and his hands up and he gets tired and you've got Aaron and her who are bringing a stone for Moses to, to sit upon and there to be standing with the rod lifted up um, and when his hands go weary even while he's seated they get on his sides and they hold his hands and I wanted to start with this note here because there is an element here where Moses is interceding for his people. 
He's praying. And as we got reminded yesterday from Tim Welch on our church, uh, their way, that actually it is important. Prayer is so important. Prayer is so difficult. Prayer is so challenging. And yet, prayer is something that we need to do as God's people. And again, perhaps prayer is part of that preparation and expectation that Hazel's uh, picture is challenging Cairns to. I think God has been challenging us in this area of prayer when we show our dependence on God. I was skimming through a book from um, Harry Emerson Fostick, and he talks, he's got this uh, classical book on prayer. And there is a title there, there is a chapter that says, Prayer as a Battleground. And in that book, or in that chapter, he reminds the readers that prayer has often been that place where people rediscover faith and they re-establish their confidence in God and in themselves. And if we've been talking about confidence and if we've been challenged about that, that maybe, again, we need to be challenged about prayer. It's a battlefield where struggles for right desires are fought because in prayer all desires are known and no secrets are hidden. Prayer is the battlefield in which is addressed the issue between the two conflicts and, and uh, that those two tensions, the praise of the world on one side and the approval of God on the other. Prayer is the battlefield in which we fight for power to see and seek the courage to do the will of God. And I think as we look into this new vision of bringing the hope of Jesus to Westbury Park and beyond, it will be very foolish for us not to cover it with prayer. It will be very unsuitable for us to be thinking about this, to be dreaming about this without showing our dependence on God. And then we move on to another experience of Moses. That in Exodus chapter 19. He's just about to give the order into the people of Israel. That's the moment when he experiences God's glory. He experiences God's presence. He experiences that calling of God's to be actually affirmed, not only for him, but that desire that God has got for his people. If you go to Exodus 19, um, we, we see how the Lord comes down to Mount Sinai and on the top of the mount, and actually there he calls Moses, verse 20, and, and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through the gates of the Lord, and many of them will perish. So don't touch the mountain. And 
This is that moment where the glory and the presence and the, the awesomeness of God is displayed. But this is the, the, the climax of the whole book of Exodus. Because in one sense, this is where God had brought them out from to, to, to this place. Um, Sinai is the scene that actually this God who's got a God of relationships, um, he is establishing his, his relationship with his people. And it's interesting how many people through the history of the Old Testament look back at this occasion and they not only refresh their memories, but they celebrate the mightiness and, and the, the glamorous and the awesomeness of God. Another occasion where Moses, I, another part that I want to take from life of Moses is that he, on the mountaintop, he's got this relationship, this communion with God. Exodus 24, uh, Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelled on Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it in six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the clouds. And again, verse 18 of chapter 24, he entered the cloud and went to the mount and then was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. This communion, this, this amazing relationship. Moses has to leave Joshua behind and he goes and stays, communes with God for 40 days. It's there in that isolation, it's there in that coming aside where God gives him the instructions and gives him the direction of what to happen with his people in this covenant relationship. It's not only about who Moses was and the way that he related with God, but on mountain, he also deals, on top of that mountain, he also deals with bereavement. If we go to Numbers 20, it's that year in the life of Moses where he has had to say goodbye to two precious people in his life. First is Miriam and then Aaron. And he is God's appointed leader. He has to press on with this double bereavement. But this passages, Numbers 20, 23, talks about how Aaron uh, should be, you know, he's, he's died, and how, how he should treat Aaron at, at the point of his death and bury him, and how, how the congregation responds to that and mourns for the death and departure of Aaron. But how Moses walked with God even in this, and what it must have meant for Moses, even in the face of this bleak desolation and loneliness. And yet we know from what we read from the book of Numbers that his ministry continued. Without interruption, 
He pressed on in his ordained work in the context of grow of sorrow and grief. And yet we come to Deuteronomy 34, and that's I mean, I was really struck this week reading Moses' life. Especially chapter 34, you, you, you are put on top of the mount. God says, have a look of the promised land. You're not going to be able to go, but Joshua will. And I just... Um, I was talking to somebody this week. I've been really struck by that moment in Moses' leadership that we don't see here any begrudging or any, any complaint. I mean, he, he, we've, we've got there the song of Moses. But there is this element of his leadership that he actually he sees the vision of that promised land. But also he is made aware that soon he's going to die. It's his last moments. And this shows this great prophet. And by the way, Moses is looked upon from different religions. And because of his greatness, he really enjoyed his fellowship with God. And it's very interesting how in Deuteronomy, it's not about how much he knew about God but how much God knew about Moses. God had sought this prophet. He had equipped him. He had given him different tasks. And over the years, because of this calling, his relationship has become intimate. The people of God knew that Moses walked with God. He knew him personally. And again, They've seen his life from the way that he was appointed to the way that he'd performed the miracles and he had led the people. And now, in the end of the life of his life, he shows again awesomeness. But Moses' story does not finish here. We see Moses in the New Testament. And where do we see him? We see him on the Mount of transfiguration. Remember Exodus 33:18 when Moses asks God to show his glory and a thousand five hundred years later this prayer is still being answered. Because there with Jesus on top of the mount of transfiguration it's Moses and Elijah. And God speaking over his son, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And Moses still is part of that grandeur picture of being in the presence of God where he radiates his glory. So, What do I want to bring out of this today? Well, 
It's amazing to look at the life of this guy and not to say that the summary of it is fascinating. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Forty years under Egypt, 40 years running away, and 40 years as a leader. Moses was 120 years old when he died. And verse 10 of chapter 34 is that dash between the birthday and the day of his death. Since there was no prophet has risen, sorry, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. Whom the Lord knew, Yahweh knew, face to face. Who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and the whole lands. For no one has ever shown the mighty power and performed the awesome deeds that Moses, Moses did in the sight of all Israel. This is the prophet of God. What does this have to do with us today? What can we learn? Well, we've been going through the Pentateuch. And if the book of Genesis showed us that God is a creator God who wants this relationship with his people. If we went through Exodus and we, we saw how God is a, a deliverer. He wants this relationship again with his people. I think we looked at Leviticus and we said that God is a holy God and this outstanding revelation of who God is and the expectations that he's got for his people. We go to the numbers and actually we see what it means um, when people mess up and the, 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 the story of, of redemption, actually the, the, the way that God is so gracious towards sinful human beings. And then we come to the book of Deuteronomy. And again, this is the book of God who is a God of relationship. You see that, what he wants from his people, and as Alan reminded us earlier on, there is those traces of mercy that are reflective of God's character, but it's the outworking in people, but also it's the manifestation of God's love. But there is also that expectation that as people you respond to this fellowship, to this relationship, by love and by obedience back. So we're talking about bringing the hope of Jesus to Westbury Park and beyond. And we know that our hope is a person. Our hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wonder that parts of this kind of hope that we're bringing is in the back of those conversations that I mentioned earlier on, that when we see people who don't have a living faith, they don't have a relationship 
with Jesus. And we, we're going through the difficult times. And as I said and reminded everybody yesterday, uh, the last month I've been in conversations with a lot of people saying, well, I don't know how do the people who haven't got faith, who haven't got this relationship with Jesus, go through the stuff that I'm going through. I really don't know because I, at least I've got this Jesus that I, I can relate to. And I just think that as we think of hope, as we think of bringing this hope of Jesus, I just wonder if, if there is an element here that we can learn from Moses, this element of strengthening and this element of maybe giving time to our relationship with God in order that when we bring hope to the people of Westbury Park and beyond, we're not bringing hope in the good company of ourselves. But we're bringing hope because actually we have found hope because we are relating to Christ and he's giving that hope to us. We have found hope that is worth living for because of what Jesus has done for us and how he wants to relate to us. So when we talk about hope, I just feel that or sense that there is this element of us growing deeper because he's calling us deeper as we got reminded yesterday that there is that element of this relationship and there is no doubt in me that God has called us uh, together as a church to read the scriptures together there is no doubt in me that God has called us to, to share that with one another and I just wanted to encourage you today that as we look as we look at the life of Moses, and if we started with that note of unworthiness and unbelief and not eloquent enough and reluctant, I just wonder if we take those things that perhaps we have believed for ourselves, for the things that actually we have experienced and we bring them before the throne of grace and love and relationship that we find in God. And we say, well, you're God of impossible. And we trust you. And we say that that new song of hope that you, you've given us today, that you, you put in our mouth, that we truly believe that for ourselves. Because we cannot be bringing hope until, unless we've got hope ourselves. Perhaps that is the response that we have got today. That if we've been told if we've been believed, if we've been grappling with these things that you're disqualified because of A, B, C, D, God says to you today, you are his beloved. God is saying to you today that he cares for you and he wants for that good work that he's begun in you to, to bring it to completion. God is saying to you today, saying to me, 
that he wants to enjoy that precious, preciousness of that relationship that you can have with him. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But today, we've learned from Moses that actually from a reluctant person, for a reluctant person, you can go and you can grow to a person, to an individual of strength. Why? Not because you have entered the, the, the systems that we have built as cultures uh, to, 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 to excel you from A to B to C, but you can do that because your strength can be drawn upon the Lord who is a relational God and he wants to cherish you. Alan challenged me this week about this word cherish and I, I really want to bring it that today because I feel it's so appropriate from where we are that God wants to cherish that relationship with you and us as a response we ought to do something about that. So uh, we're going to sing um, the final song Build Your Kingdom Here and I just want for us to use that as a response. And also, I think if you feel that you can identify with that sense of unworthiness, weakness, disqualification, and all those things, and you say, I'd like for you, or for Iron, for others, the elders, to be praying for me, please don't hold back. God wants to do that work. God wants to cherish that relationship that he's got with you today. Amen.